0: Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we discuss an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see if you should check it out for yourself. I'm one of your hosts, Corey, and with me, I've got Liam. In the words of Blake, hey, you guys gonna have sex? (laughs) And Mitch, the ink-covered pen man. In the words of Nick, New York
1: City, well, I hear they got buildings as tall as the sky.
0: That's the most Mitch quote choice imaginable. That was a great poll, Mitch. Also, can you just uh, confirm for the audience that you are, in fact, currently covered in ink? Oh, yeah. I had a pen blow up in me right before we started. Was it like a Bic pen or was it one of those ornate fountain pens no, that made no, made
1: to it's look a, like a it's quill? A, it's a Bic pen. I don't really write with a fountain pen because I'm left-handed. Um, right, yeah, Smudge, Smudge Brothers. Unless it's like, you know, quick dry ink, but. What's the point? I, I'm
0: also left handed. I've never uh, I've never even looked at a fountain pen without it running out of the room. I, mean, so. I, mm-hmm. I have a few of them, but I, I just
1: make They're a more, for <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <Twist> more for
0: display. <laughs> for
2: more for making people sign documents. Here's a twist for you guys. The smudge brothers aren't just two twins. There's a third the brother. Because brother. <laughs> well, I am also left handed. we
0: all le- we're all left handed? That's kinda awesome, actually.
2: That's pretty cool.
1: No, I um <laughs> At least, I'm, at, least I'm, at least I'm covered in ink and
0: not wax. Yeah, you know what? Good segue. Huh? <laughs> Good fucking segue, dude. Shit.
2: Good segue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just down to clap.
0: <laughs> so, Bye. we're here to talk about a house of wax from 2005. Uh, really? In the, Ooh, wh- in the- <laughs> was that the year that song came out? No, that's and that's not even the disturbed song that was in this movie. I don't think, but um, so this movie came out like right smack in the middle of like the great remaking where they were redoing all the horror movies in the two thousands and um in the late nineties. In that uh, what's oh, shit? What's that one that we did with the the house, house on the haunted, on hill? haunted hill? Yeah, yeah that, that was the other. <laughs>
2: that one was dark castle so it's it's uh same vibe right in line and then besides that this is also the era that michael bay was producing a lot of remakes with uh his platinum dunes banner ironically michael bay will come up even though he didn't make this one yeah so it's two different companies but they were both kind of going at the same at the same point here
0: also uh liam we'll have to reopen briefly a halloween
2: related debate I love Um, it. Is it about the name of H two O? Are we going back there?
0: It might be. (laughs) We'll have to see. Um, But first, I want to ask why you had us
2: watch House of Wax, two thousand five. Well, the main reason we're watching it right now at this time of year is because it came out on May sixth, two thousand and five. And so, when you're listening to this episode, um, that'll have just been a few days ago, uh, seven years ago. You know, it's it's sort of the anniversary of this movie, and I think that's fun. And then the other reason is just, um, uh, it is a horror remake of old movies, and so I'm I'm glad we have Mitch on the podcast now. Um, you know, Mitch Mitch has been here a long time, but uh, um, it make me made me all the more inclined to pick it because it, it's a remake of of. Old horror movies that we can get some some Mitch insider info on, um, and then the fact that we've already done one Dark Castle movie with House on Haunted Hill. Uh, I think it's just it's one that definitely needs to be checked off. And then in terms of my own horror history and uh, the history of two thousands horror remakes that we have. Br- mostly become such fans of i mean Corey and i have really loved a lot of the ones we've brought up like black christmas 2006 um there's got to be more than that there's got to be more than that guys does
0: next generation count for this window
2: uh, no no, that wouldn't count and then i was thinking have we done the texas chainsaw remakes but not quite i'd say texas chainsaw 3d is sort of it's a it's a bit late but it it feels a lot like the mid-2000s friday the 13th would absolutely count. i didn't love that one but it counts it does count so yeah valentine too late no that would count as well same year as friday the 13th Oh yeah, we talked yeah. about that. Yeah. yeah, so this just feels like it's a box that needs to be checked off. So, so that's why we're doing it. That's as good a reason as any. It doesn't always have
0: to be, you know, high art. Our, our watch in this time, case, it happens to the be the movie. But... <laughs> yeah. So, Mitch, then I'm going to pivot to you. You're you're the guy with the huge brain on this show um, for history, math, science, history, unraveling the mystery. It all started with House of Wax. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was hoping that you could talk to us a little bit about the OG House of Wax. Uh, To answer your question,
1: yeah, I'm a big fan of the original House of Wax. I mean, technically, the one from 1953, the the one that I'm calling the original, isn't really the original because it's a remake of another movie from 1933, which is called Mystery of the Wax Museum, which is based off of a uh, short story by... um, Oh, God. Uh, by somebody, but but uh, called the Waxworks, and it's from like a year earlier, and but the one from the 30s is by Michael Curtiz. I've heard of it. I've like seen it late night on TV, but I've never actually like watched the whole thing. It's a two-strip Technicolor movie, and so it was fairly innovative for its visuals at the time. That's kind of important to note because the one that would come later in the 50s in 1953 would be the first major uh, 3D color um uh yeah like the first major 3d technicolor movie um that was released by a major american studio so it was kind of part of that like big boom of like 3d in the 50s and the story is very different uh, than this it takes a much sort of more classical sweeping approach think of uh um, like Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, or all these other sort of class, classic works of uh, of Gothic fiction. It, it's set around 1900, and, and Vincent Price plays a professor and professional wax sculptor. And then there's a seedy plan to burn down his wax works. You know, burn down Joan of Arc and Catherine the Great and Marie Antoinette and John Wilkes Booth. All these classic figures that all he's the a great mass.
0: girl bosses.
1: And uh, yeah, John Wilkes <laughs> Booth, a classic girl boss. <laughs> Um.
0: <laughs> also a throat goat for long <laughs> John Wilkes Booth famously uh, Murdered Abraham Lincoln Because Abe had just beat him In like a glizzy guzzling contest Yeah it's why we can't trust theater kids um, <laughs> No and it's why the American food Of baseball is hot dogs Yes <laughs>
1: <laughs> Anyway so, it's, it's about this guy. His, his waxwork gets burned down with him inside it, but he miraculously survives and sculpts this sort of elaborate face and exacts revenge on the people who have wronged him and, and uh, opens a new waxwork. And then, like, mysteriously, people start vanishing, and then, like, new sculptures start appearing, and then he gets suspected. And uh, it's one of the first movies that sort of started Vincent Price on that road of playing ghoulish villains. Before then, nobody really knew what to do with him. In the 40s and 30s, he uh, mostly played like supporting roles, like romantic, eccentric, um, supporting roles. And then after this movie came out, he would play pretty much just like deranged villains, mad scientists, the abominable Dr. Fibes, um, Theater of Blood. Is it
0: Fibes? Yeah. I don't know. That's a fucking game changer. I thought it was Phoebes. It might be Phoebes. I think it's Fibes, though. Dude, I saw, I saw the it years ago. Doctor Vibes,
1: his abominable Doctor Vibes. Am I right? Yeah, it's a it's a classic, and uh, so it would be like the first one where he started playing uh, villains, and he did a really good job, and that's sort of what he made his career as playing these gothic ghoulish villains. So, uh, the original holds a, uh, uh, I guess, like a very important. Part for me, I, I watched it growing up and it's uh, one of the formative ones that kind of got me into like classic horror. So it's it's a really fun movie. Got you in all the, the ghoulish
0: scrapes and scrambles that would uh, really, you know, make us think in high esteem of William Castle. Yeah. Ex- and all I mean, his And all of his funny jokes. Yeah. William Castle and Vincent Price went together like peanut butter and jam. They went together like your shirt and pen ink.
1: That's not on my shirt. It's just on my hands. That's where the blood was too, huh?
0: There's a lot of it on my hands these days. <laughs> um, well, my joke may be dead in the water, but we're going to, we're going to truck through this one. Um, this is, uh, I'm just going to go straight to the cast and crew stuff because I didn't have a lot of, uh, you know, like established familiarity with house of wax beyond it being like an old thing that was like known in horror circles as being like, you know, one of the oldies. It's like, if you're, if you're uh if your grandparents Watch it. are listening to Marty Robbins, you're just like, yeah, he's one of those guys. You know what I mean? It's the Marty Robbins of
2: horror movies. Does that even make it The Frankie Valley of horror movies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know Frankie Valley. I don't know Marty Robbins, so Marty I, I, Robbins I is comment. great. If you
0: want, if you want like a western ballad about like a guy walking into a town, yeah that's your man if you want to
1: cool
0: go, go listen to big iron by marty robbins if you want to have the time of your fucking life it's all about cool water that's my favorite marty robbins i think big iron like big Iron's a bit of a meme but like it's also just really good it's a bit of a meme because fallout new vegas yeah but like i've never played that game i just think marty oh. robbins is on a fucking heater you know very true
1: Anyway, I, I won't argue with did. that. The Gunfighter yeah,
0: but, Ballads is a tremendous album. Yeah, I think Liam, if you want to do any cool covers, you should do, get into some
2: Gunfighter Ballads. I'm down. My uh, my grandfather, who um, is almost always wearing a cowboy hat and like a a buttoned up shirt, but with his the top of his chest exposed. Yeah, brother. He he gave me like a a former working cowboy. Pistol thing um, I don't know Guns uh, when I was like A revolver 13 years old Yeah it's like a revolver but it's like the Barrel is like super long and, and Thick Um, hmm. uh, So I, ha- I have that gun at my Parents house and so maybe I could Maybe I could get a prop next time I'm there And do some Marty Robbins
1: Pew pew We're
2: gonna do a Breakfast update with Liam pretending to be a
0: Cowboy <laughs> We did one with a sword earlier So looking at cast and crew stuff The, the movie is directed by John May Colette Sarah Who um, we've talked about Some of his movies before We've definitely talked about Orphan
2: Yeah unfortunately not in a full episode Hopefully no. we can when Orphan 2 Comes out but yes I love Orphan
0: also, the Shallows. Uh, That's a great shark movie. I was gonna say it seems like a movie Liam would like, and then he's actually he's hit it like big time blockbuster million dollar movie mode. Yeah, lately, uh, he did Jungle Cruise, okay. and uh, is also doing Black Adam, which are both uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson vehicles. Uh, I'm not from surprised. Giant conglomerate companies. So he, he's yeah. laughing all the way to the bank. Oh yeah, dude's rolling in it.
1: Now. I'm not. Yeah, I'm also not surprised having seen this movie and like where he is now it makes sense
2: yeah he's got the chops but i would love to see him return to horror at some point because it it uh his directing style his he's got a big vision and so seeing that in in creepy little horror movies is very cool because it it pops up in house of wax orphan and the shallows they've got really cool stylistic qualities about him
0: yeah and then speaking of people who are more straight into horror we've got the screenplay writers who are chad and carrie hayes who uh, wrote an ep- uh, wrote some episodes of Baywatch Nights. Talk about a horror movie, am I right? Uh, but perhaps more notably, uh, The Conjuring movies. So they're also rolling in it, just
2: for different reasons. <laughs> stacked.
0: <laughs> stacked crew. I've never seen The Conjuring movies.
2: Huh, we should oh.
0: rectify that.
2: Yeah, we've got to do
0: one Or like on this, Annabelle this or like whatever the fuck. Uh, I think you can steer clear are. of Annabelle. Personally. Aren't they all the same thing? Like, aren't uh, they all part of the same thing? They're, they're in Broadly. the same universe,
2: but a lot of them feel quite different because they bring in different directors. And they're they're based
1: um, off the exploits of Ed and Lorraine Warren, who were, uh, I guess, famed real life. The
0: Zach uh, Baggins ghost, of their day. Ghost hunters. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's
2: that, that comment was mean to somebody. I just don't know who it was mean to. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'll just I'll have to assume Mitch, but I don't understand it. Yeah, I don't get it. I didn't get it either one
0: right no, out of my it, head. It wasn't directed at one of you whatever. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm delirious. It doesn't matter. Um the movie was edited by uh, Joel uh Negron? Negron. Um he edited the Shallows, actually, shark movie. Uh he's also rolling in it. Uh he's also done about sixty five hundred movies we could cover on this show if we wanted. So I'm gonna start with those. Dang um sleepy hollow the remake uh the karate kid 2010 the first michael bay ninja turtles movie texas chainsaw massacre the beginning jungle cruise Mm -hmm. 21 jump street the mummy tomb of the dragon emperor
2: transformers dark of the moon and thor ragnarok and still he doesn't have a wikipedia page wikipedia is is biased against editors they hardly ever have wikipedia shout out to my man joel who's probably also rolling in it yeah he sounds cool
0: uh, the cinematography is by Stephen F. Winden, who's also rolling in it. Would you like to know why?
2: I'm so proud of these House of Wax people. Yeah, let's One, hear it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He has shot seven of the Fast and Furious movies. Oh man, when you counted up, I thought it was gonna be Pirates of the Caribbean, and then when you got up past four, I was like, Oh, I bet this yeah, is he fast. did. Furious. Tokyo Drift 5, 6, 7, 8,
0: 9, and the one that they're shooting, which is ten. Dang, or that's X, gotta be hard work. Say. Yeah, th- that shit does not seem easy, dude. Like, no way. But again, um, dude, based on this movie, it's like I could tell. Also, Star I Trek. Imagine. Uh Star Trek Beyond. Uh so the music uh, this guy's also rolling in it. Uh, he did. Uh, his name is John Ottman. He did the score for *The Usual Suspects*, *Superman Returns*, *Kiss Kiss Bang Bang*, *The Nice Guys*, *Fantastic Four, and *Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer*. Orphan, Astro Boy, Halloween H, two O or H twenty, depending not on your preference. No,
2: not a preference thing. <laughs> one is one is correct.
0: Well, we'll have to get the old. To relitigate, and we'll have to get Keiki to relitigate. Was Neil on my side? I don't remember. I think so. I feel. Fi- I figure he would have to be. Uh, also, he's done three X Men movies.
2: <laughs> nice. So he's rolling uh, in it. He he did an interview on the on the special features as well. He seemed like a really nice dude. It was really uh, uh engaging listening to him talk. So yeah, the the crew is fine. They've succeeded fantastically well since two
0: thousand and five. Uh, The cast features some familiar names, uh, one outrageously famous person and a few names that were new to me. Uh, We've got Alicia Cuthbert as Mm. Carly, uh, perhaps best known uh, as one of the co-hosts of Popular Mechanics for Kids. (laughs) We all watch
2: that, right? Like a lot. i think i might have you think you might have i i saw the ads for it more than i actually sat down because it played on the same channel as are you afraid of the dark and i was always just like i would much rather watch are you afraid of the dark but i I was like every now and again A, a dim
0: memory i watched i can't believe it's a dim memory that breaks my stone cold heart uh i watched a lot of that show Um, Science is for losers What can
2: I say But
0: that's like That show's basically a heritage minute That's like Canadians up and down the plot Jay Baruchel in there
2: And it's so cool that Jay Baruchel and Alicia Cuthbert Both went on to uh, Make a goon rise of the enforcer (laughs) Oh yeah I want to do that on this podcast (laughs) I do Um, Um, Yeah she's great She was in Are You Afraid of the Dark as well Um, She was in a great teen movie Called The Girl Next Door Um, and around the time of my preteen years, uh, when I was super into the girl next door, I watched it like multiple times a week. Um, my friends and I, when we were walking around and trying to entertain ourselves, we, we would, uh, kill time by saying who are the, who are the five most attractive people on the planet? You know, we would rank them. And at that age, Alicia Cuthbert was always like one or two. I quite fancied her. I, I, uh, would have PSP'd her if I had a PSP to do it on.
0: I hate... I hate you guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, okay, so she's registering on the PSP scale. I guess that's
2: great. Uh, what about Chad Michael Murray? How do we feel about oh, Chad? Love... I love Chad Michael Murray. He's in uh, Freaky Friday from 2003, which I would really like to do on the show. Um, kind of a different character in that movie than in this one, so with only two movies to go dude has range and he's then he's probably it,
0: a different character in most movies
2: well so, some people are, are typecasts, <laughs> you know what i mean and no i get what you mean that was, just, my, just being, my jokes ain't hitting today boy <laughs> um uh, yeah I, I really like him he also shows up in riverdale uh which is really great is to he see. like one of
0: the dads
2: like no 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 he's a villain who comes uh, wait, chad michael is?
0: is chad michael murray the guy like the french canadian boxing guy god i hope so no
2: fuck <laughs> i only know him from one tree hill that's right yeah massive in one tree hill um he was in well, a like Cinderella he was story. physically
0: larger than everybody else uh, Corey,
1: come on good just hang it up
2: <laughs> <laughs> i yeah so i i really like him. <laughs> what can you tell me about brian van holt oh i can tell you some things i'm glad mitch because i did, i don't really have anything did
1: you know that he is in a very brady sequel
2: Mm. he plays War- he plays
1: Warren Mullaney.
0: okay now you know now I know uh now I want somebody to tell me something about this mysterious person that I've never heard of before Paris Hilton <laughs> who hmm? I will say um it is it weird to either of you the degree to which Paris Hilton feels exactly like she should be in this movie does that make sense? Like, at no point do I see Paris Hilton on screen and I'm like, she's too famous to be doing this. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, I saw
2: the movie and I was just like, this,
0: like, it feels like it fit.
2: Yeah, maybe it feels that way because, like, we're we're because it's much more distant from her fame now. Yeah. Because yeah. she was massive back then. Yeah. <laughs> um, but me, you know, as I, I was a kid then, um, and I would hear her name a lot, but I still wasn't following like reality shows or tabloids or anything. So um, all these other actors in this movie are like way more famous to me than Paris Hilton, um, just in terms of of my sphere. Paris Hilton's famous in like the cosmic sense, you know, like she was just everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And I do, I, I did kind of get wrapped up in it because I have a a vague memory of it being, it was like, it would have been actually 2005, um, because I moved that year. And my memory is I was still at the house that I moved from. So it would have been like, summer of 2005, I guess this movie was playing on TV. And um, I think my parents were watching it. And they told me that Paris Hilton was in it. Um, or maybe it was like just like known about at school or something. Anyway, I knew that the movie they were watching was the Paris Hilton movie, and even as like an eight-year-old kid, I wrote it off. I was like, this movie must be terrible because it has this Paris Hilton lady in it who um is just like a uh, famous for being a person, and so if she's in a movie, she must uh not be like acting at all, and it's just a it's just a publicity grab. And so I was a very cynical eight-year-old i'll say but nowadays i agree with you Corey. it feels it feels very normal i don't see that i don't watch this movie and i'm like taken out of it by paris hilton i think she she fits right in she just seems like a she seems like she fits the role just fine to me yeah i'm weird in the sense that i almost never recognize paris hilton when she shows up
1: you know like i think paris hilton has sort of an invisible quality as an actor where she's Kind of unremarkable. She just disappears into the yeah. home
2: Mitch. Can't even see her.
1: Yeah, it's like, oh fuck, that was Paris Hilton. <laughs> I miss her every time. Like somebody tells me Paris Hilton's in that movie, and I'm like, really? Uh, I thought that was Venice
0: Fairmont. <sighs> I would help you out there, Corey, but I don't get it. Um, it's a famous it's- city and a hotel chain. Paris oh, it's just, Boston. it's just, a, yeah, nice yeah, 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 yeah. Jared Padalecki,
2: we know that guy. (laughs) Love that guy. Friend of the show. Come on the show. I was just just having coffee with him the other day (laughs) while we were listening to the podcast. Um, Did we decide
0: he was the superior supernatural?
2: You know what? Um... I don't know if this was on air, but you definitely decided that he was the least attractive <laughs> of the supernatural <laughs> guys, whereas I, I disagree. So uh, that's I could still be persuaded. persuaded, but I, I, I do really like him. I like them both because I, I also love my bloody Valentine where the other supernatural brother is in it. Um, so I'm down, but I would love to see I would love to see either of them return to horror movies and horror remakes in particular. But also, I would love it if uh, the other Supernatural brother just did one more because then he would be tied because now Jared Padalecki is House of Wax and Friday the 13th. Um, and I love that Friday the 13th remake and I love my Bloody Valentine. So I would say just on that basis alone, Jared Padalecki right now has a bit of a lead.
0: Okay. Fair, fair. Uh we've got John Abraham's love him. Yeah, you do. Have things to say I, about John I Abraham. do.
2: Yeah, because he is um the uh Billy Loomis surrogate in Scary Movie 1, which is to me one of the funniest movies of all time and his performance in it is is absolutely incredible. He's just got amazing comedic timing. He's also in uh the movie from 1995 Kids you yeah, guys know
0: that movie, the Harmony Kareem
2: movie. Oh, That's yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. He he, uh, he's just kind of one of the kids. He's he's not one of the, he's in the main group, but he's not one of the main kids. But it's kind of cool to see him in there. But yeah, scary. Is that one of the Capital K kids? Yeah, yeah. No. But scary movie. He just holds a lifetime pass for me. Nice. What about uh Robert Richard? Anything for him? I have nothing for him. Please he Blake? is the only one of like the main teen group here where I don't just like love him or, or at least find him very notable because of outside work i don't know him. what about uh
0: any of the remaining names including damon harriman andy anderson
2: <laughs> no
0: wait hold on I've, I've never seen this name before Drag. drag Dra- dragisha dragisha it's
2: a good name deep uh murray smith and emma lung no, I don't know them, but I quite like the actor who plays, um, creepy Lester. Lester? That was Harriman. Is, I, I do like him, and I've, ju- I've just read here that he plays Charles Manson he in Mindhunter yeah. and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Have you seen those, Mitch?
1: Yeah, yeah, he does. He, he And both Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's a very short Imagine role. getting typecast mm. as Charles Manson. He, he does look like him. It's uncanny. Is, is he good in the role? uh it's such a brief role in once upon a time in hollywood that it's it's but he's he yeah he does a very good sort of manson impression i think like mind hunter uh for the most part the people who they have like imitating their real life counterparts are, are like doing a very uh
2: good imitation of of the of the real life people you know sweet yeah i tell you what i uh I've seen this movie a few times, but this is the only time I've I've really looked at the cast members who I didn't know online, so I've only just learned this Charles Manson thing, but I like him enough in this movie that that is enough to make me like check out Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is, is a pretty good movie. Cool. I need
0: more people to argue with about the ending of that movie, because people, when that movie came out, fucking crucified me for not liking the ending. It's a very Quentin Tarantino
2: eh? ending. I gotta I gotta see it now all right I'll see it
0: um actually also liam I'd like to throw to you to do the the plot
2: summation if you don't mind my doing so sure yeah so this movie is about uh, a group of teens well maybe no they're like they're like college age kids um and they're on a road trip to go to a football game some of them are more interested in the football game than others um along this road trip they camp in the woods um And their car has a piece missing. And so the the group splits up. Some of them go for a walk and they end up at this abandoned, small, quirky town that has a House of Wax Museum and uh, seems to have very few people occupying this town. They explore the House of Wax Museum. They uh, get to know some of the locals and... It turns out that some of these locals are out for blood and possibly out for their bodies to use in their wax museum. They're out for wax. That's right. Um, and then the the, the, the college-age kids sort of get picked off, but they fight back as well, and they just they got to try to make it uh, out of this town alive. That's it, really.
0: Sometimes it's just that simple. Thank you for that. So, uh, I'm just going to continue being question asking, man, and I'm going to ask you another question, Liam, if you dare. Sounds like you do, because you you don't want to burn your answer too early. No
2: no objections.
0: It's kind of what you signed up for, I guess, in the grand scheme of things. Um, So, let's get right down to business and find out what you thought about House of Wax. House of Wax.
2: House it's a some fun ass. name to say. House of Ass. <laughs> um of oh, I... Ass. <laughs> what do you guys think? I thought of this movie. You probably liked it a lot. I think. I don't think that you.
1: Uh, I think that you like lo- that you liked this movie, but I think that you you probably have a few issues. I think in terms of like pacing or or maybe the fact that a lot of it a lot of it's original but I think you might find that a lot of it also feels kind of generic and by the numbers and unsteady in places
2: damn that's really astute I appreciate your guys thoughts Um, I would say Mitch you are you're sort of you're you're pretty right except all of it, it has the caveat of the things I like in this movie. I like so so much that I it all equals to me like just loving loving this movie, absolutely loving it enough that it's certainly one of my favorite horror movies of the two thousands. Um, and it is not. I would say it is an imperfect masterpiece is how I feel masterpiece. about this movie. That's right. Yeah. Wow. That's imperfect. A that's a big imperfect. word. That, that yeah. like
1: imperfect masterpiece. sounds like something that you would put in front of like a
0: generic YouTube essay. <laughs> <Like> <laughs> I, promise
1: you, just I promise you, I promise you
2: I will never masterpiece, do that. And it's like a picture of a melting wax figure. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, there's a couple YouTube channels where I wouldn't be surprised if they take this idea and do that. Um, Yes, I, but I, I do feel that way. Um, this is my third time watching this movie. The first time was actually not many years ago. It was probably about four years ago. It was my first time sitting down with this movie. Um, and before that, for about a decade, my thought was that this movie is like a bad, forgettable, critically panned 2000s remake like just one of a big clump um i don't know how that got in my head maybe it was from back in 2005 when i had negative um thoughts or even even negative influence in my head from the paris hilton thing um maybe i had some friends that talked bad about it and then I never really saw any love for it online. And I think when people would talk about uh, bad horror movies in the 2000s and the glut of horror remakes, maybe I would just lump it in. And so I just assumed that it it was bad. Um, And then in about 2016, um, I was hanging out with some friends over the summer. And we were in the habit of going to the local library and just renting, you know, for free, whatever horror movies they had. It was kind of fun. It it made us encounter movies that we might not otherwise want to encounter. And House of Wax was one of them. I would just kind of grab whatever horror movies they had. And they had this movie. And so I figured I'd finally give it a shot at the the very, at the very worst point case scenario or maybe best case scenario it would be really bad and we would make fun of it and that's kind of what i figured would happen and i turned the movie on and uh we made fun of it a little bit you know at the beginning but then by the time the movie ended i was like guys am i wrong or was that movie actually fucking sick and they were like yeah the movie was sick and so i was i was just floored and now i had to change you know i had to alter my uh um my opinion of this thing that i had formed over the last 10 years despite never having seen it you know it's funny how that works and then a few years later when i started dating my partner brianna she loves supernatural and so i said you got to see this this horror movie that has jared padalecki in it so her and i watched it a couple years ago she loved it and i loved it again um and now watching it one more time um for this podcast with a bit more of a critical eye, I guess, um, just in terms of taking notes. But I, I was critical that first time I saw it because I thought it would be bad. But I wanted to just really write down what works for me and maybe what isn't working for me. And I watched it on Blu-ray this time because Scream Factory put out a Blu-ray release of this last year and I pre-ordered it right away because I was like, this is this is one of my favorite horror movies at this point. Um, and in taking notes, I... I think Mitch's observations are are really um, make make a whole lot of sense. Um, there's a a small section there where I do think the the pacing it it slows down a little bit. I'm not sure how long the movie is, but um, I would imagine it's over an hour and a half. And so maybe this is a section that could have been trimmed down a bit. But I think if someone doesn't like the movie, that that small section isn't going to make them hate it anymore. And if someone loves the movie like me, that section isn't really going to make them like the movie much less. And that's where I am because I, I love the characters in this film. I just love thinking about them. I love the little breadcrumbs throughout the movie that like hints at um what these characters have been through and how they relate to each other what they've been through together there's actually a whole lot of it where you learn like the connections between these characters it doesn't just feel like a friend group of uh stereotypes archetypes just like thrust together like there so often is in horror movies where you've got like a jock and a and a nice boring guy um and an asshole and a stoner and stuff um this movie does sort of have that on the surface. But then when you listen to them talk, it feels like, oh, they've actually I I can see how these people are close and I can actually see how they got to this point um, in behaving the way that they do. So I really like that. So I just like spending time with these characters. So the pacing isn't a big issue for me. And to Mitch's other point about some of this feeling a bit generic, I honestly think there's only two aspects of this movie that stand out as being more generic than the rest of the movie which is a bit of a shame because i truly think that so much of this is really innovative and original and and if not wholly so it is playing on horror tropes and then ramping them up in a very knowing way um you know, this isn't like a, an art house original horror movie or anything. It is, it is very structured and familiar, um, which might be why a lot of people uh, assume that it's bad. But I think when you really pay attention and, and dig beneath the surface, there's a whole lot original going on within that structure. And so the only two parts that I think are generic and I I would have liked if they were just fleshed out a little bit more. One is uh, Jared Padalecki's initial attack scene when he gets got um, before he gets turned into a wax figure because I love that stuff. But when he initially gets got uh, with a cut to the Achilles tendon, I think that could have been stretched out a bit more and made more tense because the other kill scenes have that tension to them. It felt a and bit I by think, the numbers to me, that one. Yeah, going, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think that kill is um, by the numbers in a way that's noticeable because I really do think that the other kills in this movie are um, quite exemplary and, and uh, surprising. And that one feels a bit by the numbers. But then what happens to him after with the wax kind of makes up for it because that is so unique. And I kind of have my theories about maybe why they made his kill generic. Um, but maybe I'm just uh, twisting twisting it to, to make it make more sense to me. And then the other thing that I find generic is the very ending. Not the big climactic third act House of Wax thing, but just that final little twist about how uh, there's a third brother and it is the creepy Charles Manson dude and he just is still around. I think that is... Um, not necessarily lazy because I like the idea, but I think the movie doesn't give it enough space. Uh, I would have liked to have seen him integrated more into the plot and and not have it just be a quick stinger to to kind of l- have people leave the leave the theater smiling with like a bit of a uh, a bit of you know fun scared glee. I would have liked it if he were integrated more. Um, but other than those two things, I, I love the shit out of this movie. I love spending time with it. I think it is so clever and cool. And I truly think that the climax in The House of Wax with it melting, I think that is one of the best horror set pieces of all time. I absolutely love it. Um, I think this movie is like if it's not already a cult classic, I think 20 years from now, people will be talking about this movie and writing articles about it the way they do about some of these horror movies from the 80s that didn't get their due. But now people are like, holy shit, this is amazing. Um, And it already has that 80s charm to me, but transferred to the mid 2000s, because we're 17 years separated from it now. And so the mid 2000s is to me, what the like the 80s would have been like to my parents at the time this movie came out so it also has that fun about it so uh i'll stop rambling now because i really want to hear what you guys think but basically i love 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 this movie and its few issues are far trumped by its successes yes
1: nice
0: well you're up Mitch, wow. what's up? This is the order we usually go in, so okay. better up, buddy I just boy. needed to
1: verify that my mic was in fact on. I'm a, <laughs> million, I'm a million years old. So this movie, I think what there were a couple of external factors that really altered my viewing experience of this movie and kind of negatively influenced it. Uh, number one was my expectations going into it. When you see it's a House of Wax remake and it's I'm very fond of the original work. This film is quite a departure in every way. I think the only mm-hmm. thing it really has in common is like there is a wax museum. There is a crazed wax maker killing people and like everything else in the structure around it is completely different uh the vibe is different everything is different this film is uh feels like it takes a a leaf out of shadow over Innsmouth or maybe even Troll 2 probably not but you've got that Nilbog town effect thing going on (laughs) um but so going in I had my defenses up and I was like I I didn't like the direction it was going or it didn't cause I wanted a house of wax. I didn't want like, um, as Roger Ebert would call it, like a dead teenager movie. Um, but, uh, as it sort of went on, I found myself appreciating a lot of things about it. I think it's, it feels long. Uh, and I think in part that's due to pacing the runtime's not egregious at an hour 50, but, uh, it feels longer than that to me, and I think, and part of it why part of it is because it really does. Um, I think telegraph its moves quite a bit. The twists and turns aren't all that shocking, and I'm, it uses all like the classic vocabulary of like, "Oh, the car's not working, and you need to go in and get it fixed." and the guy in the gas station, you can't trust it. But it does do a lot of stuff really interesting. I think the the idea of a, a town of wax and kind of um, how evocative that is and how it kind of allows for some really interesting set pieces later won me over in the back half of the movie. I think the front half of the movie is, is pretty by the numbers for the most part, but I think and I'm, perhaps that's deliberately so because so the last act sort of feels like this fantastical burning funhouse. And I really bought into that in the, in the last act. I love the sequence when they're in the theater and uh, whatever happened to Baby Jane is playing and they've got the crossbow and all that. I think that that sequence is extraordinary. Um, and by the end of the movie, I really was rooting for the main characters. With all that said, I only kind of like this movie I, I don't think that it's uh like a flawed masterpiece or whatever we we said it whatever liam said it was like, masterpiece. you think it's about. a not flawed masterpiece? Oh, sorry sorry i i, I so you I, think it's a perfect masterpiece that's right no let me correct myself i i do not arrive at the same conclusions of liam i i uh, i think it's just like a pretty good movie um i don't i might like recommend it to somebody who is super into like horror from the early to mid aughts but uh it's uh i think one that i'm probably that probably won't stay with me but you never know i think the images from this movie will stay with me but the circumstances and the trapping the trappings and like the characters going about they're like what's going on down here gonna die like i think that whole first half i'm going to forget but i'm going to remember that burning uh wax works for a while it's a real showstopper but that, yeah that's where i'm at nice what about nice. you Corey?
0: Um, I'm willing to concede that uh, my viewing of this movie was flawed in some way, uh, which is largely to say that I, I'm I'm under the weather, so I don't think my brain is operating at maximum capacity today. Um, and I watched it today, but I think I mean,
2: like, it. I don't like where this is going, Mitch. I was
0: just sort of bored, um, but I want to acknowledge that I think it's doing all of the, the usual stuff quite well. Does that make sense? Like, I liked everybody. I think the performances are good. I I was you know m- m- mildly intrigued, um, but like I was just sort of like waiting. For the movie in, in some ways I guess I don't really know It just it, It's like well done But it didn't like hook me Super hard I'm with you there Yeah I don't know um, That's kind of it honestly like It's doing the The format well But For whatever reason
2: I just wasn't falling over myself for it what um did you feel unhooked the entire time because mitch is saying that that he um wasn't as as sold on it until the second half did you experience anything like that or did you find it flat all the way through whole time i actually thought some of the stuff at the end made it a little bit worse
0: (laughs) that's fair that's fair i I
1: think i also kind of feel that way with with some of it too it's kind of got like that last act stupidity going like rife through it, uh, that I found really like small sort yeah, of well, things. And I that don't were like one
0: of the brothers just being like, boy, this movie really wishes it had Leatherface in it. Yeah. And it doesn't. So they're just, they're just doing that with this guy. They like got wax face, wax face. And, um, I just, I didn't care for that. And that framing device for that character just kind of shows up at the end. And I'm just like, oh, this is kind of dumb. Um, the third brother thing is really stupid. It also doesn't mean anything, because, like, what, is he going to go track them down? Like, what's the threat That's here? a sequel setup. Yeah, that's but right, like, yeah, but, like, what does it mean? I know it's a sequel setup, but, like, it doesn't mean anything. What is he going to do? He's just a guy. Yeah, I think... I, he's just a guy. Like, I've been
2: thinking it through, and I think maybe the point is that he's just a guy, and, like, evil doesn't have to run in the family. He's just a nice dude. It, it is perplexing.
1: <laughs> you could take it a million different ways, and I, I don't think that that's, like, the deliberate point i think you're supposed to take it like one very direct way yeah Um, but um
0: no just like wrap up like i think like i like the actors a lot i'd like to parrot some of what liam said about like just enjoying the people that are around i'd like to give some kudos to paris hilton actually very specifically interesting um yeah i think it's nice that she can be in a movie and i'm not distracted because she's was I'm so never distracted insanely famous she's the but i just interview. i thought she was i thought she just did a good job i just thought she did a good job and um like she's filling that like best friend role really well like it's interesting not seeing her be put front and center i just thought she was good
2: yeah and that was that was made clear um in the marketing too i don't know if that's supposed to be her on the poster i've never really been sure You know, we kind of see a woman. She looks like she might be blonde and there's wax stripping off her. But um, that sort of, you know, when I was a kid, I thought that she was the main character in the movie. But I I learned much later that the marketing of this movie, a lot of it was based around this slogan, um, watch Paris die. And so (laughs) people were, they, they were hinging this on the fact that you're, you're gonna, gonna you're, gonna, you're gonna know that Paris Hilton isn't gonna make it. She's not gonna be the, uh, you know so-called final girl.'re you're, you're gonna see her get got. and I think the movie also makes that clear from the beginning that she is just one of the friend group and uh, you know from the beginning that this is one of those dead teenager movies where they're going to be picked off and so she is likely not going to make it where the movie actually surprises me more in that regard is in the way it handles the jared padalecki character um he just kind of unceremoniously dumped off pretty early yeah Yeah, i think i think that's really cool um but, but to mitch's point it's actually not as early as i would expect um, It is late. in terms of the pacing i clocked it he doesn't get um, the movie
0: is very patient with revealing the the prestige although you know it, I
2: mean? it, it, it's patient but it
1: telegraphs everything
0: <laughs> yeah but it's like i don't think they start killing people till like an hour at least that. Probably later. Liam, what what did you count? Liam timed it.
2: So. Yeah, he he doesn't get uh, stabbed in the in the Achilles until um fifty minutes in, like forty nine okay. minutes, fifty minutes, and so from that point on is when things really start ramping up, and you've got about an hour of the movie left at that point. But that is, you know. That's a that's a good amount of time where it's just them hanging out, especially because this isn't one of those horror movies that opens with a kill to get you on board. It has a cold open, but it's more of a uh, um, a surreal, quick little origin backstory. It's bad, right? For the Do we killers. agree that it's bad? No, I, th- I love it. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> I thought and I thought you would I thought you would love it too oh, I thought you would love this whole movie Corey because it feels a lot to me like Black Christmas 2006 where it is just it's so fun in its ridiculousness and it milks its premise for everything it can give you. This movie is called, house of wax and, and it's like it, what if there was, that? was
0: literally made the house
2: of wax. of wax melting and your heroes climb out of the title card that says house of wax and also it it's literally made of wax like yes and it. the people get turned into wax figures and it's just like that feels like black christmas 2006 No, you're
0: totally right and i'm you know i'm not gonna i can't justify why i feel one way about one of them and differently about the other but uh
2: yeah i saw that opening i was just like i was like yeah okay. And it has like the chiller font, basically, when it says 1974. <laughs> that did, that I, did get me. The font, I was like, okay, I know exactly what we're dealing with. And I like the way the camera looks there, where it's like these close-ups, but you're not showing anyone's face. It feels very fun but it's but then it's like depicting child abuse, but there's like this carnival music going on. And so it's just, I think it perfectly sets the tone of yeah, just like dark Yeah, the music was very What a Stranger
0: Calls opening.
2: <laughs> I love it.
0: Man, we are creating such a weird cinematic universe of reference points. We sure are. I'm so from, glad from specifically
2: 2005, 2006. Um, yeah. So, so Corey, what did you think of uh, the whole House of Wax burning down? Because for me, that is the that is the memorable. Holy shit! This movie is is going way harder than it has to. This, this is was. the ending, right? Yeah
0: yeah okay uh uh, i don't know like like i said i thought it was kind of dumb i think i was distracted by the leatherface gambit from the end of the movie that pissed me off i hate it i really hate it i love that too uh why does this movie need that character to have like that that kind of demeanor and that kind of aesthetic and that kind of setup and like the the bullying from the other brother and like the meekness that is juxtaposed with like a freakish brute strength that is just like why though like it feels like it comes out of nowhere right at the end just to be like oh we needed a cool uh, the reason for this thing that this guy to do something so here they are um i found that really annoying just because it just felt like cheap shorthand for um it feels like tropey but not in a way that's interesting um to be honest, it it kind of it it kind of was in one ear out the other that they were in a literal building of wax that was melting. It felt very matter of fact about the whole situation. Yeah, interesting. Um, again, I I do want to say that I I am sure if I if I watched this movie in a more uh, healthful state, maybe I would have paid slightly closer attention. Um, and maybe that would influence my feelings about this somewhat. But by that point, I was just like, hey, movie's wrapping up. And I'm annoyed about leather wanna be leatherface over here.
2: How did you feel about *Wanna Be Leatherface*, Mitch? Because that has got to differentiate it from the original *House of Wax*, right? I, I, d- that, I
1: don't even know what that movie's about. I uh, so have to tell me. Actually, it's fairly faithful because Vincent Price's character wears a fake mask. In some cases, he wears a mask that's like a very good, like human, ma- like a, a replica of a human's face that's like so real you couldn't really tell that it's a mask. And so he goes out in public and he does that. He also wears this ghoulish mask when he goes out to commit crimes because his face is horribly disfigured from the fire um and uh so it's dramatically different in 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 that regard but honestly i i also found that yes it's like a uh a, a wax mask but i don't think that it serves the same purpose that masks do in the narrative of the 1953 version because that is a whole movie about sort of like appearances and um disguises and deception and um, more so than this movie. I mean, this movie is definitely about like deception to a degree in the sense of the broader town, but not in the sense of like your main character. Um, and so I don't know, it just sort of, it felt rather generic to me kind of like, well, we've got our leather faces and we've got our Hellraisers, and we've got, we just need a we got our, Michael Myers, we need a scary fucking mask. And, you know, the guy <laughs> in the original movie had a wax mask, so we're going to keep that over because we have, um, you know, franchise legacy. But it, this movie really has nothing in common outside of that. That, And I would say not even really the mask. So, um, yeah, I, I thought that, that that sort of central character was wildly
2: underdeveloped, and the mask was kind of derivative. Cool. For me, I... Um- I, I would have liked to know a bit more about um, both the killers, but but the the killer with the mask in particular, just because they don't speak. And so everything we hear and learn is sort of either com- conveyed visually by the way that they move, by our brief flashback at the beginning, or by um, the characters talking. And I, I, I do... I like... The mystery of the movie, now that I've seen it a few times, I really like how there's a good amount of talking in that first 50 minutes about... about either like the teen, the the college kids plans about their relationships or once they get into the city to into this little town we also get the character of Bo talking about like what happened in this town and what the history is and he's sort of an unreliable guy but i think he's also letting us in on um what his life has actually been like and i find it fun to piece all of that together it's sort of it's like this urban legend idea that often develops in small towns where like everything you hear is sort of secondhand and you don't know what to believe um and then at the very end uh it's it's revealed that you know a a lot of the things um that you might fear about these stories that are being told uh it's true like this is like the worst possible situation you could envision is that oh these these two brothers actually were like Abused when they were kids and they were Siamese twins and they were separated and now they're like uh, Evil I just I think that's just wait really they were what when did that Siamese twins who were separated when did they communicate that part? Um, Like in the last 30 minutes or so did they like say it? Yep, yeah, they said it and there was news articles and there's also um- news articles. Yeah What? And there's also that moment huh. where you where you get the the sculpture of the Siamese twins together and you yeah. get you get to see the No, it's true. I saw that, that is a great broke moment and I was confused. Oh. I was, I was like, cool sculpture, I guess. What how did I No, yeah, by then it, by then we knew it already <laughs> that they were Siamese twins who were separated. Oh my god. <laughs> Damn. That's crazy. You were texting me a bit during this Corey. Maybe that's oh, it. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Um maybe I, maybe I didn't do fair fair by this movie. So I just I really like thinking about all that stuff. And I think that even though the movie does keep a whole lot under its sleeve, um, and that might seem like a bit generic, I think there it it also um it goes a long way in that this movie doesn't have much of a villain moment where it's like a, a big exposition dump at the end where we learn everything about these killers and and what they're up to. It's, it's more sp- sprinkled in throughout the film. And I think the Leatherface comparisons are definitely apt. I mean... At this point, we got a massive Texas Chainsaw remake and uh, a prequel to that remake would have been already in the works by the time this movie came out. And so that that style um, was... Uh totally within the zeitgeist. And so I think that is on the movie's mind, which I like. Um, I I like that this era uh, has a distinct feel to it. And I like the Leatherface riff, but it it doesn't feel derivative to me. I just, you know, if it's derivative, then I would say that basically all of your slasher villains from the eighties are derivative of each other. I just think that this is another cool uh slasher icon i like the look with the long black hair and the wax mask and how a little bit is uh breaking and so they keep paving the wax over it like possibly to cover they're trying to cover up where they were separated uh from their twin i think because you know that makes them feel vulnerable and is sort of what they're insecure about and so they constantly cover it up and also they have like this weird connection with wax um where you know if leatherface has to wear other people's faces i don't know. you know you could make all sorts of theories as to why that is i think the wax thing is also interesting because this person grew up around wax and death and so um i believe that like wearing max wax would make them feel more comfortable and then The fact that they're killing people and putting them inside of wax, it doesn't feel um, all the way evil. It feels like in some sense, it's like a sympathetic thing where like maybe they think that they're doing right because they are adding this person to this wax museum that has run in their family. And so they're like trying to make art out of these people. I just think it's it's really interesting and creepy. I like that Brian Van Holt plays both roles, um, and that sort of uh, duality there. Um, the family connections. It also feels a lot like *Taurus Trap*. Have you guys heard of that movie? Oh no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's fr- that one's from I think the late seventies. Um, so it it. Uh, and it also has to do with masks and sort of a, a leatherface type figure. But it's this it's this killer who is is really interested in uh, like dummies and mannequins, but yeah. uh, also in taking people apart. And and I th- so I think that this movie owes a lot to Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Tourist Trap. Instead of the original House of Wax, I mean, like I said, I don't know what the original House of Wax is, but I, I totally believe you, Mitch, when you're saying that this movie actually isn't that similar to it. And I, I understand how that would irk you as a as a fan of that original. But to me, this movie feels um, hmm. like it feels like a perfect fit to me. Uh, the movie is called House of Wax, and they go to all these places. It feels like so right, and it makes me feel like. Uh, it doesn't even give me drive to go see the ori- the original because I'm like this movie is doing exactly what I would want out of a movie. You, called you House should of see the
1: original for the record, but I mean, I also don't necessarily have a problem with it. Sort of taking like the very bare bones, like I mean, like the iconography and the basic calling cards of the original, and then, Mitch, is that better
0: or worse than remaking it straight up? Is that in better your, in or is- your mind? what to, to, to like re- you would you rather them see something that's like that skews I very
1: think it's close better. I think it's yeah. better if you're I think if if one if the movie by Andre de Toth, de Toth did it well in, in 1953 then I don't think that there's a need to go back and do it again or at least do it the same way because you're not gonna get a better performance than Vincent price and you're not you're not gonna be able to re- recreate this sort of like technical splendor like on screen with this like lavish technicolor 3d and um big budget sort of gilded age movie right you're you're not going to be able to recreate it I, i i think inevitably you're going to have to do something different and at that point i i'm happier with somebody just kind of going off in a different direction of course then you can make the argument you know why the hell even call it house of wax um And it's bizarre, too, because it it has so little in common with it. It's like, why did they do that? Like, I know the original House of Wax has, like, some brand recognition, but that movie would have come out, like, over 50 years before um, this uh, movie came out. So it it is rather perplexing why they even felt the need to stick with that sort of uh, franchise,
0: if you will. But uh, probably just name recognition. Probably not much more than that. Yeah, Yeah,
1: and and very sort of surface written name recognition, just sort of dim recollection. Like, oh, House of Wax. It's that old spooky story with. Yeah,
2: yeah, I think I think that has to be a play. And I also, I also, maybe I'm being a bit too idealistic here, but I think it might just be like uh, a a lot of it is homage and the fact that uh, the the producers or like directors here like might have. really liked that movie and um, and so you know dark castle was formed as a way to bring these william castle vincent price type productions back to life you know this movie was yeah. produced by robert zemeckis a massive film lover And so um, I've also got to think that part of it is just we want to we want to dig into some of these concepts that we loved as kids and the stuff that got us into horror movies. And now we're going to present it to a modern day audience who doesn't care for those old movies and so maybe it it doesn't actually matter that it's called house of wax because they were like we're not putting this out for the people who recognize that we're calling it Mm -hmm. house of wax and we're gonna do a few callbacks for the for the fans of that and because we're fans of it but the main bulk of it is for like a modern day horror audience you know paris hilton with that right yeah There's,
1: there's nothing wrong with that but um And, you know, at the the genesis of of like why the original would have like scared audiences in 1953, it's because it sort of has that body horror thing going on with the physicality of wax and and, um, just like how spooky and lifelike wax figurines can be and doubling in figurines and all that sort of like playing with tableau and all of those things going on that made the original one kind of like spooky and effective are all brought up here. Uh, in this movie, and it's got all those like the, the, the genesis of the scare that's like sort of um, rooted in the in the physical aspects of the original are all brought front and center into this movie with like much more intensity. So I don't know if there's there's like there's nothing wrong in my mind with doing that. Um, I just I just don't really I'm just not really hooked by this movie like I am by the Vincent Price one. But that's just because you know I love Vincent Price movies.
2: Do you like the movie uh The Last Man on Earth? Uh,
1: I've seen I saw it like when I was like sixteen. That wasn't the question.
2: So I, I remember liking it then, but I honestly <laughs> I honestly couldn't tell you like anything about it. Okay, no, cool. I'm I'm wondering if I was missing out with that movie because that's the most recent Vincent Price movie I, I've seen. I probably watched it two years ago and I really didn't like it. And so if you're if you were just about to say that like you love it and like it's it's on par with those others, I'd be nah. like, Oh, I guess it's just not my thing. But no, that's one of the more that's cool.
1: That's one of the more forgettable ones in my book. Like, I think if you want to go down that road, I would say 100% check out Theater of Blood because that's just like a camp classic about like a theater critic who... Uh, might have killed himself. Maybe, maybe not. But then he, his, he comes back. The his vestige comes back and seeks revenge. And all the critics who wrote wrongly about him, and and all the deaths are sort of based off of Shakespeare's plays. Um, and that it's sounds just like awesome. It sounds, awesome. It's very good camp. Or you know, check out like Witchfinder General, which is streaming on Shutter. Um, he he's just like the king of these sort of like campy, bombastic horror movies. Uh, and if you gravitate towards like the color ones, like I, my memory of the one that you just mentioned is that it's a bit more like grounded and not as like crazy as say like the pit or the pendulum, the pit and the pendulum or the mask of the red death or so many others that he did that were really far out there, uh, which is what I go in for. And house of wax is one of those ones. Excuse me.
2: Sweet. What did you guys think of the gore in this movie? I thought it was great. Me too. What about you, Corey?
0: yep It's yeah, uh like it. I mean yeah it's it's there it's it's not bad uh I don't have strong feelings about it <laughs> it's kind of all I've got what was what was some of the standouts
1: to you Mitch um I think the one I think it's a two by four that gets
0: put through Paris Hilton's head yeah, Man, I don't, like I don't really know what she, that she was. She pulls <laughs> it off it's something that she had been using she pulls off like a railing Holding it as like sort of a weapon, and I guess put it away when she got under the car. I Mm -hmm.
1: thought that was a pretty sick kill. I thought the one, although it was like really fucking stupid with how it sort of like played out. Um, the bit where he like chops off the top of her finger through a storm drain. I love that. Like it's implausible. Like he he would have like heard her shout later. He does, but um, the way that scene, parts of that scene, played out kind of irked me. But I thought that that was kind of fun and campy I thought um when Supernatural guys finally filled with Jared wax, Padalecki. thank you when, when he's when he's finally filled with wax and sort of sitting next to the piano oh, and, and they yeah. take off part of his cheek uh I thought that was really well done and I kind of like I had a jerk reaction mm. um I think Beyond like the gore, just like the physicality of the wax and how it almost becomes a character in the last act is really good as this whole house melts and it almost behaves like quicksand and they're engulfed in it. I I, I think that the effects, not only like the, the gore, but also like all the other practical ones with wax and, and fire are really well done. In fact, there was a lawsuit that actually uh, arose with the, the fires that they were setting in this movie. Did you guys know that? Yeah. Yeah. I heard about it last night. Yeah. Um, So in January 2006, Village Roadstow Studio Owners, Village Theme Park Management, and Warner Brothers Movie World Australia announced that they were suing special effects expert David Fletcher and Wax Productions because of a fire on set during production. The $7 million lawsuit alleges that Mr. Fletcher and Wax Productions were grossly negligent over the fire, which destroyed part of the Gold Coast Warner Brothers Movie Studios. So yeah, grounds for negligence. They didn't have a firefighter on standby. They're using timber props, naked flames, uh, and this flame, these flames, uh, demolish part of the studio. So, oh, I read yeah. part of that from Wikipedia. If it wasn't apparent, but uh, yeah, crazy. No, really, yeah. So yeah. like, really, I would say like that might be a testament to the effects. Maybe it's just like a negligent production, and I'm misplacing that. Being like, <laughs> whoa, like hardcore fire, well,
2: like <laughs> real. But yeah. You know. Well, um, um, I I learned last night that. Because of that fire, they had to redo uh, basically all the effects because all these wax figures and stuff, everything that they had created burned in this fire. They had to redo it all in like two weeks. Um, they lost all their stuff. And I'm with you, Mitch. I think the f- the effects in this, um, I, lo- I love the gore. I love all the moments you talked about, like the body horror aspects of of Wade's uh, cheek being peeled and he's still alive beneath there. Um the finger snip gets me because uh, it's the opposite of the Achilles heel kill that I'm not all that into just because that one really doesn't have any tension to it. It comes out of nowhere. And I think that sort of defeats the purpose of the the Achilles um, uh the Achilles moment that we get in horror movies like Pet Cemetery, where it's done so well this time it's a bit too quick, but I think the finger thing is so good because the tension is building as to how is she going to get her brother's attention here and her putting her finger up through the gate. Um, Even now when I watch it, I forget and I assume that her finger is just like going to get stepped on or something. But the fact that he snips it and it doesn't just break like the whole tip of her finger comes off and then he puts the tip of her finger in his pocket. It's just like so evil and creepy. And so I I really love um, every, every kill in this movie. And then the visual effects in this last sequence still blow me away like i have no idea how they did that it looks astonishing it looks so real to me Mm. and it is like um it totally laughs in the face of everyone who says that you know come come to the 2000s movie studios were just using cg and and bad cg at that and they were relying on computer effects and stuff because whatever computer effects are used here um, and there must be some i think they're blended in so well and as the like the the multi-levels of this house of wax are decaying beneath um our two main characters feats and their feats I hang out with my birds too much that's what I call my birds feats um I call them feats for the plural sometimes peats even but as the floor is decaying and they're climbing upward and there's all this fire like it looks so real to me so that's why I say that it doesn't surprise me that the director and the cinematographer are are doing stuff like Jungle Cruise now these big action productions because i think that for this movie to do that in the last act i think it is so bold and confident and um and sometimes boldness and confidence can be misplaced but in this case i think the whole crew totally pulled it off and i just think it looks absolutely incredible at the end here
1: yeah i think you can definitely see those those stepping stones and like this feels like a very like bankably commercial like successful movie from this time i mean yeah no doubt that they went up to be uh bankable directors and editors and cinematographers
0: it didn't make me wonder about the logistics of uh like how structurally sound a house of wax would actually be oh
2: dreadful i bet you like the... in terms
0: of like carrying weight oh and, yeah
2: like, no way you couldn't this this thing would have melted already <laughs> like before anyone even got just there. by yeah. virtue of being
1: outside how do you like yeah. ins- how do you like like, like heat and cool such a place
2: like i don't know carefully yeah, apparently they've been working their whole life did this is their this is their craft um but i i love that aspect too like i just like the cartoonish element of it that we're walking a fine line between like uh surrealism and reality and like it's just, we know that this house of wax thing couldn't actually exist, but the movie's taking it really seriously. Um, and then it's, it's lightening up on the gas every once in a while. So that like, I think the movie is definitely in on it so that when it culminates in these characters, like literally climbing out of the title of the movie, um, it just, it feels so unlike anything I've seen before. It has this, this charm and this, um, bit of comedy to it that i i really love and then on top of all that um i'll just say again that like um the characters in this movie i just i really really connect with them and i like learning about them like i like the backstory about nick the bad boy chad michael murray character he he calls himself the evil twin which is a bit of a fun duality because we learned that the our killers are, are twins um and one of them might be a bit more empathetic than the other one um i like learning that like nick has been in and out of jail and he's a hard ass and um all the different male characters in this friend group it's the 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 women are outnumbered four to two um and i like that the four men they each have like varying levels of aggression and like uh, typical masculinity to them. Um, it's like I Elton like, John only more gay, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. We've got that dude who just sucks, and yeah. then we've got we've got um, Elton John's gay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then we have him. <laughs> yeah, and he, I, I, he's just like so clueless, but like wants to be included and wants to be cool. Um, and I think all this stuff is actually pretty subtle. And then we have Wade, who is like a tough guy who you don't want to mess with. He's, he's not a pushover, but like, he's also much more reasonable. And I think all of this is, um, exemplified really well when we get that first creepy truck scene. And like, Wade is, is talent is saying, you know, can I help you with something? Um, and then we've got the jock guy who made the Elton John joke. Who's just being like super aggressive and is like, dude, I'm going to kick your ass. And then we have, um, uh, the Nick character who like isn't saying anything um, until he, he eventually picks up a football and smashes the dude's light with it. You know, he's he's standing up for his friends, but he doesn't feel the need to posture the same way that the other dude does. And um and I just I think these characters are really fleshed out in in small moments, like when we learn that Nick actually went to jail because he uh, took the fall for. For his friend, uh, Elton John, except Gayer, that friend, um, he took the fall for him because his friend actually stole this car. But Nick um, knew that he himself already like had a bad track record, and it's what people would expect of him. And so he took the fall. It's like a bit of Sean Hunter, Boy Meets World, in there. And so he's actually a really selfless guy, but he just thinks he's destined to be bad you know that's why he calls himself the evil twin he just thinks that he's not a good dude but his actions throughout the movie how he stands up for his sister and his friends actually shows that he is a good guy and um i just i think that is really unique i like the sibling relationship in this movie where normally you would get a uh a girlfriend and boyfriend but instead in this movie Wade gets off first which is very surprising and then you have these two st- siblings who stand together so i just think there's really a lot of cool stuff at play here that that i think rewards um careful attention and and rewards patience and then the the house of wax melting at the end is like the uh the treat for all your patience you know it just it just pays off and i love all that stuff
1: Mm-hmm. I'm with you, although I don't... Actually, you know, I don't know if I am with you. Um, no, <laughs> I'm not. let go. I'm not. Um, Why found, would you lie to us? I'm not lying. I'm, just, I'm allowed to change my mind, Corey. What, you changed, what the hell is this? You this changed
2: democracy for christ's sake we got a flip-flopper over here nations were built
0: on
1: changed minds kid
0: we got a thong over here
2: okay yeah honestly
1: i don't think that the characters or their dynamics are really that fleshed out or that rewarding or that interesting or that original um they're the the same dynamics that you kind of find in every dead teenager movie and i like i don't i don't know i don't see it as being really all that like nuanced or um different in fact I think that that's um, the, all of that, that sort of like cookie cutter sort of st- like stuff, really only feels like a means to an end to kind of like be a bouncing pad for like the more sensational aspects of the movie, which I do enjoy. But all of that feels extremely mundane and trite and like I've seen it before. And uh, to be honest, like I didn't really care about any of the characters except for maybe like the... Dynamic between the brother and sister, like the bit in like, the movie theater had me jazzed. But by the end, I was like, Wah.
0: dude, the movie theater. If I could give a shout out to one particular sequence, it's that.
1: Yeah, that's an extraordinary sequence. The movie theater
0: is exceptional.
1: Yeah, it's a really good sequence. It's, it's got like all the, like that scene's a masterful suspense scene. Um, and it, cause it's like when you first start learning that like the town is just full of wax people, presumably they're victims. And, um, you know you've got like that sort of uh accentuated like tableau horror where they're all standing still and you've got the backdrop to uh whatever happened to baby jane uh and betty davis singing uh that song about daddy and uh it's uh it's great I love that sequence too. Um, That's like the best sequence in the movie in my opinion. 100% it is. I, yeah. I
2: love when gunshots start going off and they're shooting the wax figures uh, and you just see like not just chunks of wax flying but like blood and brains and yeah. stuff from the actual people inside and then a bit later... When Wait, these... you're telling me there was people in there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, later you see that these wax figures breaking and it's like there's decomposed bodies inside it's just like it's so gnarly and and colorful and cool.
0: Yeah,
1: that yeah. sequence is really cool. But yeah, like the one thing that like I know it's sort of like a cinema sins take. But why on earth wouldn't you take his shotgun? Why would you throw it into like the the ticket sales area? Just like search his fucking breast pocket for some more slugs and like. Or but sh- they did do that. They searched they for they slugs. They, they, search- didn't they have search- any? Huh. Well, I'm sure you'll probably find some lying around. I mean,
2: <laughs> this isn't, this isn't a video a very game. There's There's not just yeah.
1: ammo on the ground. So not, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that was just my, me missing that. I mean, I, I saw them go through his shit. So I just feel like they didn't look th- thoroughly enough. Cause like, <laughs> gotta
2: check the asshole. Who
1: the, who the hell goes out with like a double barrel and only like three shells. Like, I don't know. Just yeah. Seems... Movie characters do man. Yeah. <laughs> but like what? Like it's who's... a movie i don't know. <laughs> i'm, I'm cinema sensing i know um but yeah all so in fit, all that, that sequence is, is still great even though i'm like nitpicking i don't really have that much else to say about this movie um do you guys uh, i had one thing i wanted to ask that's probably like adjacent to the movie i'm sure i'm forgetting stuff i'm sure like once you say something don't like, worry this oh, has
0: nothing girl. to do with the movie um yeah. it's really more adjacent to the movie um do or not do, that's not how you would start this question. I don't know why I did that. Uh have why? you guys ever have you guys ever been to a wax museum? Yes. Tell me about that. I went to one in London. Um, like jolly old England or yeah. like London, Ontario, you know, where like, they are gonna like shoot Cody like Banks in London, England, yeah. Okay.
1: And it was terrifying. How old were you? Uh
0: I would have been like uh sixteen. And like, it, so it wasn't terrifying. And like, that I'm a child, and I think these people are real. Sense. Well, they was, are very, was, they are very lifelike. So, it but, is, it, it but is like, it's terrifying more in the like, this is fucked up. Why would you do this? Yeah, kind
1: of I mean, it's well, actually, seems are kind of fascinating. They've been around forever, and like the novelty has like always been the same. It's just like, it's like they're really here. Um, you could look at the Wright brothers, Orville and Wilbur, but. uh. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, I've been to them. I don't really like wax museums. They kind of give me the creeps. I, I f- I'm reminded of that Minnesota Fats quote. You know the one.
3: Let me tell you a secret. I can play as if I was deaf and dumb. I can play if you was, had a gang war in the joint. That don't mean nothing to I me. Mean, whatever you want to do, I do it nice. And when I leave, I leave with the cash. You understand? I don't care what goes on. I wouldn't care if they were shooting bow and arrows or having a Western movies. and it. That don't bother me. You understand? 99 out of 100 pool players, you ain't allowed to breathe. Guy was playing a world championship at a match, and a guy in the back, he's shooting. Him. The whole table's open, and some sucker took a cigarette out of his mouth like this. He ain't even supposed to see it. And he says, good heavens. My God, did you see what that what he do to me? He said, I said, what'd he do to you? I was sitting right there. and he said, didn't you see just I'm going to let go? He took a cigarette. I says, well, if I were you, I'd play in a wax museum, and then if anybody moves, then I'd get out of
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm just reminded of that quote. Um, I don't know why, kind of a stream of consciousness one for me tonight, boys, but uh, Minnesota Fats, ladies and gentlemen, Minnesota Fats.
0: Liam, have you ever been to a wax museum?
2: Yeah, when I was uh, a kid... A like, young boy. Uh, eight, eight years... Oh, don't, we gotta <laughs> talk about the My Chemical Romance in this movie. Good point, Corey. We'll get there. But uh, when I was like between the ages of like eight and eleven my family would go on uh vacations to tourist cities like uh wisconsin dells and uh stuff like that
0: wisconsin dells what is that yeah
2: massive tourist, like big tourist spot big tourist spot um it was pretty popular for my area because uh that part of Ontario, which is which is a province in Canada. Um Wisconsin is not very far from from that part of Ontario. Okay, so yeah. It had a lot of like amusement parks and tourist attractions and stuff. So I would hit up wax museums there and um more significantly the just regular like heritage museum in my hometown, my small hometown. Um it had a couple wax figures. It wasn't a wax museum but it had a couple exhibits that had like wax miners in them and I was creeped out by them as a kid too like I liked being creeped out by them me and my friends would you know make up stories or say that we say that we saw the wax figures move or something um, and and entertain ourselves Um, but there's absolutely just something uncanny and creepy about wax figures it's no wonder that a book and then multiple movies have been made about them and I am uh, I am of the opinion that like the appeal of wax museums I don't understand them if it is not explicitly to creep people out. Like, I'd, I don't get it in the sense that, like, I'm, I'm like, looking at this representation of this person, and it's cool. It was probably cooler in, like, the 1890s. It had to be, yeah. It was cooler to- before Google when, like, you didn't know what a
1: yeah. person looked yeah. like yeah. Why don't you just Google good a, good what point. a wax
0: figure of somebody looked like, and you didn't have to go but see it's like, it? There people. he is! John yeah. Wilkes Booth! The yeah. i feel like i feel like wax museums also got it got done in by like a chucky e. cheese animatronics yeah like like why do i have to look at like a wax figure of george washington when i can go to disney world for sixty five thousand dollars and look at a moving talking george washington these are the questions
2: what about you corey
0: uh yeah, I've been to uh, at least one in uh, Niagara Falls. They've got one. I forget what it's actually oh, called. Oh yeah,
1: it. yeah, yeah. But is it a Madame Tussauds? I think it
0: is. I've been to yeah. that one too. Yeah, me too. Well, me too. Me also. And uh, yeah, I think it's creepy <laughs> and weird. I don't support it. I don't know why you would go. Now. Yeah, I don't think it's good. I think I think it's just kind of creepy. They should like, all it's be like, burned. It's technically very impressive, but I guess I would rather see that energy spent on like a cool head explosion in a movie or something.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it sounds like you wouldn't rather see that though Corey because there's some good cool head explosions here <laughs> no but like you know what I mean <laughs> yeah I get you um, um, I've grown I, beyond the need for wax I gotta know did the music stick out to you guys in this movie I didn't no.
3: recognize
0: most of it but it it's felt like very era appropriate
2: I barely noticed it
0: fair uh, enough I was, that just wasn't the kind of music I was listening to when it was popular. I mean I don't listen to like I'm looking at the album list right now by the way for this and I don't think there is a single one of these artists that I like actively listen to on my own time. So you know I'll put it to you this way, listeners. I was talking to Liam about this movie, right? And we were I made a comment about the music being very 2005. And he basically said something to the effect of like, dude, the music about, um, you're going to mark out at the credits music. And I was like, am I? Why? The music like, you'll see. You'll know. If you have taste, you'll know. And then I didn't know what the song was. Um, and it felt like vaguely familiar, but I didn't really know why. <laughs> so, uh, that's about the awareness level I was bringing to it for the records, the song Helena or maybe Helena by My Chemical Romance um a song that i couldn't tell you a single thing about i don't even know if it's on the parade album or not i don't know i don't know what they've got going on over there but it's like (laughs) um it just felt very like you're appropriate but yeah like i don't know a lot about a lot of these bands like i've heard of deftones i don't know what their deal is i don't know what stutterfly is i don't know what blood simple is
1: what? You've never seen
2: Blood Simple. It's a I don't, great movie. I don't
0: listen to Disturbed or The Stooges. <laughs> uh, Marilyn Manson can go yeah, fuck himself. The Stooges himself. is
2: quite an outlier in there. Um,
0: Joy Division It's just a t-shirt. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I don't know.
2: Fair enough. It's the best I can do. <laughs> Fair enough. Were you like pogging out? Yeah, I mean, like, this isn't all stuff that I that I love, but it is all stuff that is definitely tied to an era for me. You know, like I was, I was never really a disturbed fan. But I had disturbed songs on my LimeWire account in 2005. And so for stuff like that to be popping up in this movie is just so hilarious. Um, Deftones are one of my favorite bands. And they open the movie uh, after that little origin backstory, you get like, 20 seconds of a deftone song and then it just goes away and it's like just (laughs) there to be hip um and uh my chemical romance gets a bit more fanfare at the end the song plays at the credits and they play a good amount of it but it also like it just hits so immediately the song where it's it's just like specifically like this we're doing this for the the hip edgy teens right now like the the my chem song they don't even start the song at the beginning because the song actually starts quite quiet and then like 30 seconds in they skip to the good part (laughs) they do they skip to the good part so right when the credits start you're just at the part that like kids will right away fuck yeah and just like i was singing it right away and so uh i i just love that the soundtrack ties this movie to a specific time hell yeah so
0: earlier today I, i told you guys that we were gonna be diving into something based specifically on uh, a revelation from our cast and crew discussion. Um, it's a big franchise. It's one that we have not yet addressed. Do you think you can tell me which franchise it is? Based uh, on the rundown I gave earlier? Fast and the Furious. Uh, yeah, it is. It uh, is that. Which one? Um, so this is the part where I, I got kind of... I did get briefly stuck because um, the thought that came to my brain is... Which one of these do I actually want to watch? I've s- you probably picked Tokyo Drift, and I have only seen two or three of them ever. Really, quick, We'll get into it next week. But like, have you guys seen many of these?
1: I've actually seen a surprising amount. Um, okay, so
0: Mitch is our guy. Liam, what about you?
1: Yeah, I've seen a surprising amount too. What
0: you both have seen more than me? It's crazy. I- I've probably seen like at least like four or five of them. Anyway, yeah, Mitch was right. We're absolutely watching the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. I knew it. Uh, My dad
1: works on an aircraft carrier in Okinawa, and I'm going to learn how to drive a
0: car. Because I looked at the list of Fast and Furious movies, and I was like, which one of these do I actually want to watch? And it was that one. I have seen it. um, Not recently. Yes. But I want to see what's going on. And this movie has become like very plot relevant, like in the timeline of Fast and Furious movies. It's like seventh now, despite the fact Plus that it came Hobbs out in like, in like 2005. Okay, so Mitch really knows. Mitch knows his shit. Okay. Um, so we're going to dive into the Fast and Furious uh, right in time for some hot goss as they make the 10th of those films. Um, Yeah, it was always going to be a Tokyo Drift. What else? I don't want to watch the one where it's just like they're talking about family for 45 minutes and like drive a submarine like i don't fucking Aww. i don't care they sent uh fucking tyrese in ludicrous to space or whatever um took you a drift that's what's right. happening i'm um, gonna drift out of this episode
1: do you have anything you want to plug actually yes i do you can't say yes. Yeah. what i do you can't say yes I'd like Liam, to plug. can't say yes. I'd like to plug he the weekly. I'd no, like to can't. plug the weekly breakfast updates, and with that, you're only uh, uh, gonna tell people where to get it. That's just why he can't do it. He doesn't even know how. It's not even a real plug. That's why I'm. I can't even. I'm trying to find middle ground for Christ's sake. I was just. Trying, I didn't
2: think you could hear me. That's poor guy. I
0: was doing a bit. <laughs> Is he waxing to death? Waxing poetic? Was that Mitch or Liam?
2: It <laughs> was not me, my friend. <laughs> uh, Liam, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Yeah, I got a, a Letterboxd account and Twitter account. Uh, the username's agramdamalo. You can find me. Damn, that's hard. Uh, for the record, we put the breakfast
0: updates on like Twitter and Instagram and stuff. And uh, We put them on Instagram, really? i put it on my instagram we don't have a show instagram maybe we should have no. one oh, okay i just put it up because it was funny but people should watch those um you can find me on twitter and Letterbox at mr cory price yeah i guess my instagram is locked so i guess people aren't really seeing them there anyway um you can listen to my other podcasts i do mk podcast with our friend neil about mortal Kombat stuff at mk podcast and all of your uh, podcast services of choice i also talk about uh F1 with the world's biggest biochemical romance fan um, on our show Strat 2 which is about uh, F1 said that uh, but it's strat like the short form of the word strategy to like the number that's on all your podcast services thank you all for listening to this episode of they made another one you can find us all over the internet on Twitter at they made another which is all one word and on letterbox that TMAO you can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker and everything else as they made another one you can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and if you think Mitch should be allowed to plug things. Our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson. You can find it on Instagram at Jade Sketches. And with all that out of the way, we're going to learn how to drift next time. And they made another one.